and welcome to the latest edition of Infection Control Matters uh, and I'm Brett Mitchell. Today I'm joined by Dr. Carl Johan Frankel and he's an infectious diseases physician and senior consultant at Lund University in southern Sweden. He works at the Regional Infection Control Unit and in 2019 his uh, thesis focused on norovirus outbreaks and transmission in hospital and his particular interests are airborne transmission, hospital outbreak and surveillance. Uh, welcome, Carl. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for inviting me, Brett. And look, this is uh, right up your alley, of course, your interest in norovirus. So the article that we're talking about today has just been uh, published in the Journal of Hospital Infection, and it's called Risk of Environmental Transmission of Norovirus Infection from Prior Room Occupants. Um, so uh, first off, um, thanks very much for joining and um, and I wonder if you just want to tell us a little bit about why, why did you undertake this study? What was the reason for, for doing this study? Well, I was uh, studying transmission of neuroviruses in, uh, in hospitals, and uh, we had a discussion about uh, environmental transmission, and I had a colleague of mine who were uh, assessing different uh, disinfection methods, hydrogen peroxide, and uh, there was a discussion about uh, UV light, and we, we were wondering about uh, what is the risk? And uh, I thought that the, uh, I could have a method to to evaluate the risk of uh, uh, room transmission. That, you know, that's that's great. I mean, I've had some interest in this area actually in the past. I did a systematic review that looked at um, prior room occupancy, and that was um, for just MROs um, in that context. And it was really a nice piece. It was really useful in terms of trying to look at you know what what sort of role does the environment play. Um, but I hadn't seen anything on norovirus before, so that's why this paper um, struck my struck my attention a little bit. So, so what did you do? What did the study involve? Well, I had a record of uh, every room admission uh, in all, uh, all of our five infectious disease wards in in the region I work in Skåne. Uh, so I combined that that uh, register with the register of the positive norovirus tests mm -hmm. so I could and I, then I processed it statistically to get uh, uh, all the variables I needed to to do an analysis so it was uh, uh, during uh, uh, five years times so it was uh, quite many room uh, admissions uh, analyzed so on these wards I think there was um, something like 1100 patients who were exposed to a room where the prior occupant had norovirus. Um, and so what you were interested in was to see whether that next person acquired norovirus? Yeah, I could have uh, uh, analyzed the next person, but I decided to, to uh, analyze the persons in that room for the coming week. Okay. And so um, what, how did you manage like a, you know, did you have on, your, on these wards where they shared rooms as well so you had some rooms that might have been single rooms but others that had perhaps two or three four people in a room yeah that that complicated the analysis so so we have in one of the wards they only used uh, single rooms but uh, in the other wards they used the rooms they could be used alternately as single or double rooms mm -hmm. so we use the as a single room if if uh, the patient needs isolation but if it if, if the patient doesn't need to be isolated, it could be used as a, a double room. Okay. And so if it was a double room, did you sort of treat that room as 
one room in the sense of um, the other person in that room could have been exposed as well? Uh, I analyzed it as if, if the if the room was uh, potentially contaminated or, or mm. uh, exposed, it was treated as a norovirus room. And uh, so all, all the next persons admitted to that room the coming week after, yeah. even if it was a single room or, or a double room, they were treated as exposed patients. Okay. So we'll, we'll ask you in a minute what you found, but um, just in terms of some of the other the other methods, you also did some some typing of uh, of norovirus strains as well. Did you have those, you know, on record? Because you did this study over uh, over many years. Did you did you keep have those samples, uh, you know, in storage, or did you? How did you do the the typing side of things? Since we have an interest in norovirus in Skåne and, and uh, partly due to my research, we had every norovirus uh, sample stored. In, in our fridge, so we, we took them out uh, retrospectively and analyzed the, them uh, with sequencing. Okay, so you so you could look at both epidemiological risk factors, and you could look at uh, sort of I guess genomics to see whether, in fact, these um, there was a risk to that to, to subsequent people. Yeah, we only we only brought the the strains that were implicated in in potential room transmission up and to to verify that this is could actually have been room transmission yeah okay so so what did you find what were the the, the main findings from your from your paper i would say that the main finding was that the risk was very low i uh, mm -hmm. was only two patients that were uh, transmitted uh, by the room in terms of uh, the, yeah they were exposed to a room and they had an identical norovirus strain to the prior occupants now this is a this is a, this is a fascinating finding because you know, look, you probably know more about norovirus than a lot of people, but um, but you know, as someone who's has worked in many outbreaks of norovirus myself, there's this sort of assumption that you know everything's infectious, um, and uh, particularly the surfaces, uh, and uh, you know that that's on potentially an ongoing risk to to next people, but really your your studies suggesting that there is a low risk of transmission from the environment after uh, people have become asymptomatic? Yeah, I mean, this risk, you, you could uh, imp interpret it in, in different way. Either we have mm. an extremely uh, good cleaning facility, uh, yeah. facilities in our, uh, in our region, or norovirus doesn't really transmit that easy by, trans uh, by environmental uh, surfaces. So, uh, yeah. but, uh, but uh, as you said, I think this is this. Is, I haven't found any studies on on uh, any virus uh, environmental transmission before. So, but norovirus should have that uh, they have all the capabilities to be uh, easily transmitted by by environmental surfaces. So, so yeah. I think that's what also why I did it because it uh, if if viruses are transmitted, the norovirus should be should have the highest risk of environmental transmission. It should. You're right. I mean, this this is why I find this study absolutely fascinating, and I've got a thousand questions for you. But I guess just in, before we get to the cleaning part, because that was a, a a key thing I want to explore what, that, what your cleaning looked like in the hospital. But just in terms of sort of survival of norovirus in the environment, um, you know, having researched this area for for a while now, what 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 are your thoughts on its actual ability to survive uh, and be viable in the environment? Well, as it is very difficult to to culture noroviruses, we don't really know much about its survival. So, so the only 
thing, the only uh, scientific basis we have for its survival is actually uh, case reports. And uh, mm. so we have a, a concert hall where people are, are infected. Today, if there was a man throwing up at the concert hall and there were people uh, getting sick when they had the same seat as he had mm. the day after and the day after that and also the day after that. And there is, and the longest time is uh, a change of car uh, in in a hospital. There was uh, uh, a patient threw up on the carpet, and there came people changing that carpet two weeks later, and they got sick. So wow, wow, that's the, that's actually the the only basis we have of its survival. Yeah, and I guess it would be interesting to explore those case studies to see if they talk about uh, ventilation in any way, shape, or form too, to see whether in fact. Yeah. Um, you know, those those areas were really poorly ventilated. That's still a very long time to survive, but um, and potentially be be, be um, transmitted. Mm. Okay. So just thinking about your cleaning, because you, you mentioned that's another potential reason as to why you saw saw the results that you did. You've potentially got excellent cleaning practices. What does what does cleaning look like for that infectious diseases ward for someone who is in who has norovirus? Um, don't worry about the sort of discharge clean yet, but what does it look like on a, on a daily basis? What, what sort of cleaning uh, happens? We have daily cleaning by mm -hmm. our cleaning staff, and that is usually based on uh, normal cleaning or detergent. They, they have a possibility to use uh, a disinfectant, also Vircon, an oxidizing agent, uh, on particularly yeah, on, on high-touch surfaces. So that's the daily, the daily cleaning, but it is more normal. And then we have, when the patient uh, is discharged, we do uh, cleaning and disinfection with uh, Virkon. And and with um, and what does what does that product? What's the active ingredient in that product? Excuse my ignorance of that. One. It's it's uh, uh, a lot of different active agents, but it's okay. it's. Uh, it's uh, I it's think it's based on oxidation, but it's also containing small amounts of, of, of chlorine. But I think okay. it's uh, the oxidation part that is the main part in the disinfection. Okay. And with your cleaning practice, do you do anything to evaluate um, whether that cleaning has been effective? Do you use the use of those UV dots or, or um, ATP or uh, anything no. like that? No, no. Okay. nothing. One of the other um, interesting things, and I don't know whether you, you, you evaluated this or looked at this, but um, you know, often we see staff um, uh, affected in norovirus outbreaks. Did you did you look at um, any staff interaction um, and how that might have interacted? No, I didn't, because um, yeah, it was a retrospective study, and uh, staff mm. uh, are uh, is usually problematic because they don't test for norovirus, and it's so difficult to to get out who is staff and who is not if you mm. just look at uh, register. So we, we we haven't got staff into account in this study, but uh, on the other hand, uh, my assumption is that is since I controlled for it for a lot of other variables the mm. staff shouldn't really affect the risk in a, in a particular room so it was, should more uh, uh, the risk should be diluted to to uh, to more rooms to other rooms yeah, okay. mm. and and your precautions for someone who is in uh, who has norovirus are they traditionally that sort of contact um, based precautions do you do any um, additional precautions in terms of um, uh, mask or respirator use or, or eye protection? 
We recommend masking if there is ongoing uh, vomiting or risk of vomiting. So in the early stages of norovirus infection, uh, staff usually use masks, but later on when it's more, uh, when the diarrhea dominates or, or the patient is getting better, we, we, we don't necessarily mask. Okay. And with that mask, is that like a surgical mask or do you use like, a, like an N95 P2? Surgical mask. Okay. Um, and, and, and with the other sort of side of it, is it gloves and gowns that are used to, to care for patients um, from, from a staff point of view for yeah. patients with neurology? Yeah, it, 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 it depends on what you should do in the room. So we don't have a regulation that you need to have uh, uh, gowns and gloves when entering the room. But if you are, t if you are exposed to, to uh, body fluids or have a risk of uh, contact with body fluids or contact with a patient or the bed, recommended to uh, use uh, gloves and gowns yeah okay one of the other interesting things um you talked about in the paper was the, the colonization pressure so the amount of norovirus i guess that's, that's around in terms of um the number of pa uh, patients with norovirus how did you uh, how did you sort of account for that what what did, what did you look at for that uh, colonization pressure has been used in in other studies before uh, particularly uh, bre and uh, other bacterial uh, pathogens so and and i needed to take account for uh, some kind of to take account for the colonization pressure so mm. I, I did it with a statistical method to count every uh, the time sh uh, sharing wards with uh, norovirus patients and take that mm. to, divided by the total time in, in the ward, you could say. Yeah. It's okay. a bit mind-blogging to exactly th see exactly <laughs> what it is, but uh, so you have yeah. to think about it a lot. But, uh, but uh, so because it, it uh, uh, but easily, if, if you have spend one day at an infection disease ward, and there's 20 patients there and one patient is uh, a norovirus patient you're exposed to to a colonization pressure of five percent yeah yeah fantastic now now the findings of your study perhaps suggest that the room itself may not be as important in terms of transmission of norovirus particularly 48 hours after submission uh, symptoms stop and so this has really interesting implications for um, how norovirus rooms and patients might be cared for in the future, and potentially even guidelines um, that might might use your your research to, to formulate when people need to come out of precautions. Uh, is there, you know, did you want to elaborate or talk any more about um, what this this study could mean? Do you think for 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 the future, or anything else you want to do to try and you know extend this a bit further? I think it's it's the uh... We have the recommendation in Sweden, and I think it's uh, there in, in UK and the uh, US also that the isolation can be uh, ended 48 hours after symptoms uh, stops. So we, if, if the patient gets better and it's 48 hours uh, afterwards, then we can end the isolation and the, the, the patient can uh, share a room with another patient. And uh, but uh, since there have, has been discussion about uh, asymptomatic transmission and uh, viral shedding for two or three weeks, then that potentially could have been uh, could be a risk for the patient sharing the room with a uh, uh, recently improved 
norovirus patient. Yeah. And that is something that I just wanted to take account of when doing my, my primary analysis. But uh, since it has been discussed, I, I uh, uh, yeah, analyzed that part too. Excellent. So I guess the obvious question now is um, for you, and of course you may not want to share this, but are there th things that you want to, to do next uh, in terms of this piece of research? What would you really like to do or what are you hoping to do um, to extend this now? Me personally, I have taken mm -hmm. a break from norovirus and uh, <laughs> concentrated on, on uh, uh, other recent uh, viral outbreaks. <laughs> Yes, of course. <laughs> that, that shall not be named. <laughs> so, so, and also, also, we've seen a quite a de decline in in norovirus activity in the recent years. So, uh, mm. uh, but uh, if it if it uh, uh, increases again, because it norovirus outbreaks at hospitals has been a major problems before in in, in uh, the early, uh, uh, yeah. 10 or 15 years back, it was a major problem, but not right now it's a bit less a problem. Yeah. But there is, I, I think it, it highlights the importance of doing research uh, in uh, transmission pathways. Uh, okay. And I still think it's interesting to, to uh, evaluate and analyze what pathways are the most important ones. So, uh, this is not the, the complete answer in environmental transmission because environmental transmission can be important in, in many other ways than in just in the room uh, after cleaning. So uh, I still think environmental transmission is important, but it's uh, more difficult to, to analyze if it's brought into the room by, by um, uh, 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 medical equipment or other things. Uh, yeah. Yeah, very difficult to control for yeah. those things, yeah. isn't it, in a study? Yeah. Look, um, Carl, thanks so much for um, for your time uh, and and sharing the insights of your your paper with us. We really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It was an interesting talk. It, it was, and I hope those listening also found it interesting. We'll post details of um, of Carl's paper on our uh, podcast as well, so you can find the link to the paper there when, when we publish this. So uh, Carl, on behalf of myself and the other team that sits behind Infection Control Matters, who um, thanks again for your time and thanks everybody uh, for listening today. It's goodbye from me. Thank you.